All right, let's go to our scripture reading for this morning. We're looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. You can, in your Bibles or uh, the slide. I'll go ahead and read this for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Uh, let's say a prayer together and dive into God's word. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning to, to come and worship you and hear your word. And I pray, Lord, uh, wherever we're coming from, and whether we are here today as uh, believers or doubters or uh, seekers or skeptics, uh, you would give us your wisdom, so we would understand not only with our minds, but with our hearts, uh, your words of grace and your words of truth, uh, knowing, Lord, that it is not by our own efforts and our own intellect that we come to receive your word, but by the power of your, your spirit working uh, in this room. Uh, so help us and open our ears to hear your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This um, passage has one of those very well-known and um, popular verses in the Bible, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone's in Christ, uh, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The, the thing about popular verses, though, uh, because they're most often quoted as a verse, not as a passage, it gets taken out of its uh, full context. And when you do that, you end up with one or two things. You either um, understate its meaning or overstate its meaning when you take it out of context. So for example, some people have taken this verse to mean, now that I'm a new creation, the old has passed away, I'll never sin again because I'm a new creation. I'll be totally unaffected by sin and temptation. In fact, no suffering can even get to me. Right? If I have faith enough, I can rid my life of suffering. That's overstating what this is actually saying. And on the other hand, there are those people who look at this verse and understate its meaning, right? Uh, and they say, well, this just means that I have some promise of future eternal life in heaven, but until then, nothing changes. Right? Everything will stay the same. I'll just be as subject to my sinful habits and tendencies as before. I don't really have to bother looking for real change in my life. That's not true either. Both are taking this verse out of its context. It's overstating, it's understating it. We have to look at the fuller context to know, therefore, what it means to really be a new creation in Christ. And actually, when you even look at the verse itself carefully, even on its own, you can correct some of this already. You know how he says, uh, the new has come? That doesn't mean the new is completed. It doesn't mean the new has fully matured. It, it says the new has come, like a new season has come, a new age has dawned, or a new child is born. It indicates a new beginning, a new potential, and something that's beginning to be birthed, but it's not yet complete. And if you zoom out a little bit more, Paul says a few verses earlier in this chapter that while we're in this body, 
on this side of heaven, uh, we groan. We long to put on our heavenly dwelling. And that means even as believers, we suffer sickness, brokenness, that we come under all the effects of sin as unbelievers do. On this side of heaven, that's a reality. And and really, if perfect faith were to somehow uh, eradicate suffering from our lives, Jesus would not have suffered. And yet, he suffered more than any of us. He said to us as well and to his disciples, likewise, we will face troubles in this life. But take heart, for I've overcome the world, and I'm with you. So we can't overstate what this is saying uh, because we still live in a broken world. And, and because he is really with us, we can't understate its meaning either um, because he truly is here with us. So there's a sense in which the new is here but not complete and a real sense in which the old has passed away and no longer uh, dominating over us. So then the real question is, okay, what does that look like? What does then living as a new creation, according to Paul, really look like in the here and now? Uh, and how do we hold on to that um, uh, reality today? Last week, uh, we looked at how this overarching story of the Bible sort of helps us see that, helps us see what our purpose here on this side of heaven is, uh, how we are God's ecclesia, where he's called, he's called and assembled people, and we're to be blessed in the offspring of Abraham in order to be a blessing to others, right? And that offspring is Christ. And so in Christ, we become a blessing to others. Uh, in Christ, we realize we have all that we need. He is the better king, prophet, and priest. He is the ultimate temple uh, who offers for us a, a once and for all sacrifice as our ultimate high priest. So if you trust in him, we become new creation. And we, we are drawn near to God. And the effects of sin begin to be reversed. Uh, we, we now live a redeemed life. We begin to live in God's blessing and be a blessing to others. Yes, gradually, not overnight, suddenly, but actually and certainly, right? change begins to take place. And what today's passage gives us is what that looks like. And Paul gives us, um, in this passage, a very helpful metaphor that unpacks just what it means for us to be a blessing to others, to be a light unto the nations, uh, to be our the spiritual offspring of Abraham that goes out and invites others into spiritual Israel. And that very helpful metaphor is that of an ambassador. An ambassador. Okay, so let's take a look again at verse 20, where it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Okay, what does this mean? What does this look like? How do we live this out? That's what we're going to be thinking about today. And I'll outline it this way. Since I promised you last week, we'll get back to a normal structure. Uh, that sounds like a normal sermon. Okay. Here are the three, three points for today. The message of the ambassador, the ministry of the ambassador, and lastly, the methods of the ambassador. Okay. The message, the ministry, and the methods. All right. So number one, the message of the ambassador. Verse 20 gives us a pretty clear picture here. Uh, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So first of all, you have to state the obvious thing, what we are. We are ambassadors, right? That's what we are. It's not what we will be. It's not what we can be. It's not what we aspire to be. We are, you and I are ambassadors. Your calling is already embodied in your faith right now, 
Right? If you have put your faith in Jesus, there's no question as to what you're, what you're called to be or called to do in this life. You're an ambassador for Christ. So next time you get a question like that, you know what, an answer, what the answer should be. What, what is your calling in life? What has God called you to do or be to be an ambassador for him? The other important thing here is you're an ambassador for Christ and not for anyone else. You're representing him. And, and that is how God makes his appeal through you. You're carrying an appeal. Uh, it's almost like you're carrying a message that comes from someone else, from God in this case, to take to others. And the implication of that is you and I, we don't carry a message of our own. We're, we're only ambassadors making someone else's appeal on their behalf, and that's God's. Let me, let me put it to you. Like, let me ask you this. What do you call someone who speaks not for another entity, but entirely for oneself? Uh, what do you call someone who is not a representative of any kind, but represents oneself because they're the highest in their ranks? That's a king, right? What Paul is saying to us in a subtle way, but, but also clearly, you are not a king. You don't speak for yourself. You don't represent yourself. You're not here on a self-appointed mission. You were bought with a price. You're not your own, but you belong body and soul to your Savior, Jesus Christ. He's your king, and you are his ambassador. So this means that in order for you to understand your true calling on this side of heaven, you have to understand how you are essentially demoted from being a king to being an ambassador. That's what it means by the old has passed away. The old was this, you having your own little kingdom, you having your own little life goals, your own priorities, your own destination in life, and putting all your resources, gifts, and talents towards, towards that self-appointed destiny. That was your old self. And Paul is saying, that's gone. That's gone. You're no longer kings. You're no longer that guy who, who stormed into God's capital, planted your flag, and said, this is my house. You fought over the right to control your life. You fought against God as his enemy, but God has won you over. He's conquered and subdued you. How? By his grace and mercy. By the power of his cross. And our faith in Jesus means, yes, I acknowledge that and I see that. That was my old self. And that old self was put to death when Jesus died on the cross. And I see when Jesus rose from the dead, that's a promise of my newness of life that I can live even now. I owe him my soul, my life, my all. That's faith in Jesus Christ. And that means you're a new creation in Christ. And the message now that echoes throughout your life is, I'm not a king. I'm just an ambassador, redeemed, sent by the king. Is this uh, your faith? Is, is this how you view your own identity? It's, it's really interesting how even as Paul is explaining this, he's preaching this to his, re, uh, his hearers at the same time. So if you look, look at the rest of verse 20, he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Okay? See what he's doing there? He's not just speaking to those who are living this. He's speaking to those who are not living this too. Right? He's saying, in case some of you have been part of the visible body of Christ, but never really become the invisible part of the body, the true spiritual body of Christ, please, even now, be reconciled to God. But don't fight him over the throne of your life. Be his ambassador 
serve him as your king. Be reconciled to God. And that's the, the message of every Christian living as a new creation. Um, the message of our Christian identity is not, hey, I made a profession of faith and I got visibly baptized. Now I belong to the visible body of Christ. That's not the Christian message. There's an inward reality where you say, I'm no longer my king. I have surrendered that to God. And Jesus is now my king. And all this visible stuff on the surface, that's just an outward expression of that inward reality. But the real thing is inside. The gift of God. God's working his salvation in me, conquering and subduing this heart that says, I want my kingdom. Surrendering that. Ushering in Christ as king and saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the message of a new creation. And that's the message we carry as ambassadors for Christ. I've been reconciled to God by his grace. I'm no longer at war with him. He's offered me peace through his son. And I implore you, I implore you, my friend, neighbor, mom, dad, husband, wife, sibling, co-worker, neighbor, be reconciled to God. That's the message. That's the message we carry as ambassadors for Christ. All right? And, and this leads to the second point. Uh, if you carry this message in your heart, if this is indeed you, now there is a ministry that you must live out with your hands and feet. It doesn't end with just you carrying this in your heart. If the message is there in your heart, the ministry will show forth through your hands and feet. And take a look at verse 18 to 19 to find out what that ministry is. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He's repeating this to make sure you, you don't separate the two here. Okay, he's putting them side by side. If you have been reconciled to God through Christ, then you must pick up this ministry, which is the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? Every ambassador for Christ is now by default a minister of reconciliation. Another way to look at this is um, if ambassador for Christ is a job title, ministry of reconciliation is your job description. Okay? Just as a job without an actual job description is meaningless, uh, this title of a new creation or a Christian or follower of Christ, if you do not have this clear description of what that means and you're actually living this out, that title becomes meaningless. So if you've understood the meaning of truly being reconciled to God vertically by his ministry to you, Paul is saying you must now consider your ministry to be reconciled to others horizontally. That's a must. That's your life now. A lifelong ministry of reconciliation. We are to make peace with others as God has made peace with us. And, and verse 19 tells us how God did that for us. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. In Christ, that's how. By the Son of God entering into our lives, by him serving us and not demanding to be served by us, by him sacrificially laying his life down for us, by him rising again from the dead to give us an undying hope about a love that never fails, never gives up. That is Christ's ministry of reconciliation to us. And so 
what our ministry of reconciliation to, to others should look like is right here. It's, it should be reflected in the ministry of Christ, entering into the lives of others, living to serve others and not to be served, living sacrificially, living with an undying hope and an undying love that never fails. And notice here how Paul, he omits any sort of job titles like pastors or elders or missionary when it comes to ministers of ministry of reconciliation. To be a minister of reconciliation doesn't require to be hired at church. Paul was addressing people who were merchants, government officials, employers, employees, which were masters and slaves in their culture, husbands and wives, moms, dads, single people, children. He's giving all of them this call to be an ambassador for Christ and to pick up Christ's ministry of reconciliation. This is for everyone. If you're married, you're called to be an ambassador for Christ to your spouse. If you're a parent, you're called to be an ambassador for Christ to your children. If you're a child, you're called to be an ambassador for Christ to your parents. If you're a student or employee, you're called to be an ambassador for Christ to your classmates, professors, employers, and bosses. It doesn't matter what your vocational role is. Your ultimate calling is this, call to be an ambassador for Christ. Call to be ministers of reconciliation. And the reason why the Bible cares that you enter into all these arenas with, with this ministry is because now that Christ has defeated sin and death, the remaining effects of sin that remain, right, unresolved, unreversed, in the here and now, you as his people, as his light, can now go and reverse. We, we just celebrated this. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He came to make his blessings known far as the curse is found, right? That's what we celebrate in Christmas. And how are we to live that out? Through you and me, as we are sent out to be blessing, a blessing to the nations, to begin to redeem, redeem all these relationships, roles and places that God has placed us in. Unless we enter into these places and these roles as ambassador of Christ, uh, we'll miss the redemptive purpose for which Christ has called us. We'll miss the, the hope of the gospel in those areas and the hope for change. Okay? And again, we don't want to overstate that as if Jesus already returned and the kingdom is here in fullness and everything's sunshine and rainbows. But we don't want to understate it as if Jesus never returned, as if Jesus didn't promise you things, as if the Holy Spirit is not with you, as if you're powerless, because you're not. You're not powerless. Now, through his new calling in your life, you can live so differently than, than the old. Live towards a new direction as a new creation. For example, just to give you a contrast between the old, old way of living as kings and new way of living as ambassadors. When a man and a woman enter into a marital relationship, not as ambassadors for Christ, but as kings, what happens? Two kings entering the same domain, occupying the same space, same time, same resources, what happens? War happens. That's what happens. Your marriage becomes a war zone. It becomes a game of thrones. It becomes a place where you fight over the same territory with two competing interests, competing demands from one another, whether it's demand for the satisfaction of your needs or 
demand for the recognition of your preferences, just obedience to your wishes. That's what kings do. So when two people see themselves as kings in the marital context, there's no reconciliation there. There's only prosecution, judgment, and execution. And that kind of relationship is bound to fall apart, where you enter a relationship as a king. What happens if two people were instead to enter into a marriage as ambassadors for Christ? What would happen if, in, given any conflict, the husband or the wife were to pause and think, what does my king want me to say and think and do? And in what tone would he want me to say this in? Uh, what is he saying about, what is my king saying about my anger in this moment? How does he want me to deal with that? What is my king inviting me to confess about my sins, about the way I just reacted to, to my spouse? How can I imitate my king's response to my sins and my response to my spouse's sins? Okay. If, if a husband and wife were to recognize their ambassadorship, and approach their relationship this way, there would always be peace. Even if there's conflict, there would be reconciliation. There would be hope. There would be undying love. You're called to be an ambassador for Christ in your marriage. And there's no, you can't have a healthy approach towards marriage unless you are pursuing, pursuing your relationship to Christ as an ambassador. And think about parenting. What happens when parents see themselves as kings over their children? I, I struggle with this as a father of three. Rather than seeing myself as an ambassador for Christ, when I see myself as king over my children, what happens? Well, then when the will of the king is defied, right? Those who defy the will of the king will suffer the consequences, the wrath of the king, right? It's when we think of ourselves as kings over our children, that's when we become entitled to just crush their rebellion whenever they arise, which is why we yell, which is why we speak harshly. It's why we punish out of anger rather than discipline out of love. And rather than seeking to shape their hearts in the right way, we force their hands into submission. That's when we operate as kings over our children. What if we, what if we saw ourselves as ambassadors instead? ambassadors sent by God into the lives of these children. Well, first of all, we will quickly remind ourselves, these are not my children. Primarily, they're God's. I'm a steward over these children. I've been set over them with authority to care for them. But God is the one who set them apart. God is the one who placed his covenant sign and seal upon them and set them apart from the world and said, I want them to be raised in the knowledge of me and according to my word in the body of Christ. That's why he entrusted them to me. So my prayer is not that they, they'll one day look just like me, but that they'll look like their heavenly father and their brother Jesus Christ. They're to be raised according to God's plans, not mine. I don't get to do as I wish with them. I only do as my king commands me. And so in those difficult sort of disciplinary moments, uh, I am not to take up this call to be king over them, but to be, to be an ambassador and asking, what will my king want me to do for, for these children in this situation? What will please him the most? What has he ordered me to do? And how has he dealt with me when I disobeyed, when I was defiant? 
And scripture tells me, you know, he was slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. In his, it's his kindness that leads me to repentance. And he always gives me more grace, grace upon grace, to the point where, you know, in my greatest moment of failure, I don't run away from him. I run to him. I don't, in my greatest moment of failure, I don't, I don't say, oh, I, I messed up. I better run away from my father because he's going to kill me. I say, I must run to him because I need him. Do my children feel that way about me? When they mess up, when they, when they use the crayon on the wall again, do they, do they feel like, oh my, my dad's going to kill me, or I messed up, I need to go to my father? Do you see the difference between living as kings and living as ambassadors in Israel now? It, it's really, it matters most in these mundane moments of everyday life. That's where you have to see the evidence of you being a new creation in Christ. It's in the trenches of everyday life, marriage, parenting, workplace, classroom. But it's, it's really amazing how often we turn these opportunities of ministry into opportunities for building our own little kingdoms, where we say, my will be done and my kingdom come. And that's because we forget who we are. We forget that we're ambassadors for Christ. And we miss out on the purpose for which God has called us into these roles and these places and situations. It's not to be king over our own little kingdoms, but to be ambassadors for Christ, our true king, and be his instruments for him to make his appeal through us. I'm, I'm married because God is making his appeal through me to my spouse. I'm parenting because God is making his appeal through me to my children. I'm at school because God is making his appeal through me to my classmates and professors. I'm at work because that's where God is making his appeal through me to my coworkers and an employer. That's my role. And again, you're not going to perfect this call overnight any more than my children will hop out of their diapers tomorrow and suddenly be potty trained. But you got to head in this direction through worship, through the study of God's word, through prayer, through pastoral counsel and discipleship, you have to head in this direction of growing more and more equipped and matured as an ambassador for Christ. Now let me just close with a few additional things about methods. Uh, I want to leave you with this because this is important during, I think, this time period. And, and this is partly what prompted me to choose this topic in our series of pastoral encouragements. We live in a time, I think, I, I mean, maybe I'm, I haven't lived that long, I'm, I'm only 36, but during my lifetime, more than ever before, where uh, it's very important for us to be able to distinguish between the message and methods and be able to discern, you know, do the methods match the message? And that's a, that's a problem in our culture today. Oftentimes, those who supposedly carry the message of Christ do not practice the methods of Christ. The methods do not match the message. Whether it's in their social engagement, uh, their consumeristic way of life, or their political engagement, when the methods don't match the message, uh, watch out. <laughs> don't, and don't follow. Don't follow suit. And if God opens a door for you to, to, to correct someone who's methods are off from the message, you should correct them in gentleness and, and with respect. By the way, so finding something to argue about on Facebook is not God opening an opportunity for you to, to jump in and be sold them, right? 
I'm talking about face-to-face encounters, real relationships. So let me leave you with three general questions that can help you figure out the proper methods of applying this beyond marriage, beyond parenting, to any, any area of your life. The first question that you can ask is this, what has my king actually commanded me to do? If you're an ambassador for Christ, in any given situation, ask, what has God actually commanded me in the scriptures? Okay, is there something in the Bible that already speaks to this specifically, like how I'm to treat my boss or someone in authority, uh, how I should pursue or prepare for marriage? Uh, if my king has spoken on these things, am I even listening as an ambassador? Okay, what are his commands? Second, how can I best represent the character of my king? Okay. Uh, the Bible says my king is gentle and lowly. How can I best represent, therefore, his gentleness and his humility in everything I do, everything I say? Okay. Uh, he said, I've come not to, not to be served, but to serve others. Okay, how can I display a servant heart where I'm at, okay. whatever situation I'm in or role I am playing? Okay. What is his character, and how can I imitate him? Last question, third, what does my king want me to prioritize? Okay. The Bible talks about a lot of things, but it has its own priorities. They're not of all of equal importance. Uh, the Bible is, is it, it talks about the importance of moral living, the importance of pursuing social justice and reform. And it's unfortunate that some churches just kind of functionally tear those pages out of the Bible and never talk about them. That's a problem. Uh, but the Bible also talks about being all things to all people in order to save them, to make disciples of all nations, evangelizing them and baptizing them. Okay. Now, Does the Bible prioritize one over the other? Absolutely. Uh, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Right? That's what Jesus said. And when people were lined up so he could heal them, Jesus said, let us go to the next town so I can preach the gospel, for that is why I came. So the Bible talks about a lot of important things, but they are not without biblical priorities. And you should prioritize biblical things the way the Bible prioritizes them. Just because the Bible talks about it doesn't mean you get to prioritize it according to your, your, your own um, uh, preferences. So the third question is, are you prioritizing things the way God is prioritizing them? Am I aligned with my king's priorities? And sometimes that means you have to push some of the things that you've been prioritizing to make them secondary, not primary, but sec- or tertiary. Apply these methods to the places and the roles that God has put you in. And it will become clearer, clearer, clearer to you over time how you are to be an ambassador for Christ in that place. And if you have trouble with that, talk to me, talk to a pastor, talk to Pastor Kevin or myself, and, and ask, seek guidance. How do I, bec- how do I live it more as an ambassador for Christ in this relationship, in this, in this workplace situation, in this classroom setting? How do I live more as an ambassador for Christ? Our, our external and, and temporary uh, titles and calling, you know, they're all bound to change. You do know that, right? You, know, you're, you won't always have a vocational life, right? I won't always be a pastor. I'll retire one day, right? Uh, you can go from being married to being a widow. You can go from being a parent to being an empty nester, being a student to a graduate, having a job to being someone jobless. These things change with seasons, right? But the good news is none of these are your ultimate callings and, and identities. And so when these things shift up and down, you don't have to shift up and down. And, and when these things fluctuate, your, your peace and security don't have to fluctuate because this calling remains the same. You're called to be 
an ambassador for your king, to be his minister of reconciliation. So hold on to this calling, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and you'll always live with purpose, and, and your character will always grow, and you'll be renewed day by day until you, you see the, the finished work coming, the, the good work that he started in you being brought to completion. So let's keep this in mind, and let's always live as this. Everything else can change, but this should never change. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we ask that you would uh, uh, guard us in this, um, as there are many things in the world that compete for our identity and for the way that we perceive ourselves. Lord, help us to see ourselves ultimately as your ambassadors, um, to make peace with others as you have made peace with us, um, to be carrying uh, your gospel wherever we go so that we receive the hope of the gospel changing us and improving us, and not only us, but others, so that we would be light unto them, we would be a blessing to the nations. Uh, Lord, help us to also take advantage of your gift of your church, that through worship and fellowship, through prayer, uh, through pastoral counsel, uh, we'll be able to continue in this direction. Or if we haven't been going in this direction, to change direction, uh, so that we would, Lord, uh, redeem our relationships, our our jobs, our uh, academic settings, uh, all for your kingdom's sake, uh, all for the sake of your glory, and see the, the negative effects reversed and see the, the positive things you want to see uh, take place. We ask that you would help us in this, uh, that you would continue this work in us until you bring it to completion. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.